Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Let the people say, Amen. Amen. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Does anyone here know this song? Yes, yes. So I only... (laughs) Thank you, Betty. I, so I only learned this song this week, but I love it. It has been in my head all week. We don't know much about Zacchaeus, but the story and song make sure that we know that he was short. So short that when Jesus came by, he had to climb a tree to see him better. And we also know that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. This was like a multi-level marketing scheme. Jesus, Zacchaeus paid the taxes to the empire up front and then was reimbursed through the actual collection, hopefully at a profit. So you know there might have been some shady things going on. And as tax collector, as chief tax collector, Zacchaeus was essentially working for the empire at the literal expense of his own people. You might remember Kent's sermon last week where we learned that collecting taxes was a forbidden profession for observant Jews at the time. It was considered ritually impure and immoral. Now, ironically, the name Zacchaeus means pure or innocent. And that's like if in A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens had named his famous miserly character Charity instead of Scrooge. Or on second thought, perhaps we would see it as foreshadowing, and perhaps it is foreshadowing, because at the end of this story, Jesus declares that salvation has come to Zacchaeus' household. And I'm probably going to trip over the name Zacchaeus a few more times, so bear with me. How do we get to that point, though? How do we get from a man ironically named Zacchaeus to a man aptly named Zacchaeus? There are so many possible directions that I could take this sermon, and we only have time for one. So I really do encourage you to ponder and interpret this text for yourselves this week and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to your heart. Now, what has jumped out at me the most vividly in this story, and perhaps it's the influence of the song, but it's how childlike Zacchaeus is. Not childish, childlike. And we all know what Jesus says about those who seek the kingdom like a little child, that they're the only ones who will enter it. Now, firstly, Zacchaeus, a grown man, sprints over to see Jesus, clambering up a tree to get a glimpse of him. This is far from the dignified decorum and comportment that men of his era were expected to display in public. Have you ever seen kids suddenly catch wind of the ice cream truck jingle and take off running to meet it? That's what I'm picturing here. Zacchaeus so wants to see Jesus, to meet him, that he throws dignity and decorum to the wind. He knows what's really important in this moment, and he unabashedly seeks Jesus. A theologian, David Lowe's, ponders, Perhaps Zacchaeus simply represents the chief attribute of all disciples, a desire to see Jesus and corresponding joy in his presence. 
This story is not about formulas regarding repentance and forgiveness. Indeed, as in other places in Luke, it calls into question any attempts to reduce the miracle of salvation to a formula. Rather, it embodies the promise that anyone who desires to see Jesus will. More than that, anyone who desires to see Jesus will in turn be seen by Jesus and in this way have their joy made complete. And I think there's more to him climbing that tree than just zeal or unselfconscious, joyful, childlike enthusiasm, important as that is. The story makes a point of telling us that Zacchaeus was short in stature. We can also infer that he was short in status, since tax collectors were generally treated as outcasts. But let's focus on the height part. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, as the song goes. And while much has changed in 2,000 years, one thing we still have in common with these ancient people is that society values height in men. So really, all Zacchaeus had going for him was his wealth, and even that was something that marginalized him in his community. You know, it can be so easy for us grown-ups to try and compensate or overcompensate for the things we don't like about ourselves, our perceived flaws and, no pun intended, shortcomings. It's much harder to accept who we are, to embrace who we are, and to live fully into who we are or perhaps even to use it to our advantage. For example, I have a stubborn streak. I used to be somewhat ashamed of this, but over the past couple of years, I've realized that my stubbornness is just part of what makes me me, a beloved child of God. And in fact, for me, being stubborn makes it easier to hope. Solid hope at its foundation, for me, comes from stubbornness, stubborn faith and stubborn trust. Stubborn hope. Another example, one of the many reasons that children learn languages faster than adults, linguists theorize, is because they're less afraid of or worried about making mistakes. They fully accept and embrace themselves as learners, and it's to their advantage to do that. When Jesus came into town, wee little Zacchaeus didn't let his short stature stop him. Nope, he used it to his advantage embraced himself for who he was, and scrambled up that sycamore tree as only a child can. Now Jesus, ever seeking those who seek him, notices Zacchaeus right away. And as we see time and time again in Luke, those who seek Jesus often find that Jesus has been seeking them all along. Jesus sees Zacchaeus, I mean really sees him for who he is. Never having met him before, as far as we know, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name and invites himself to dinner at Zacchaeus's house. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down from that tree. I got to stay at your house tonight. Now, people scoff at this, and they're probably all of the woke, observant people that we heard about in last week's sermon saying, How can you eat with a sinner? Whether they're worried that Zacchaeus' impurity will somehow contaminate Jesus, whether they're worried about how it will look, or whether they see it as a betrayal, or whether they're simply jealous, they make their incredulous displeasure known. Zacchaeus interjects, however, saying, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Now, first century listeners might remember the young rich man who wasn't able to give up his money, or the boastful Pharisee from last week's sermon who bragged about giving away the requisite 10% of his income. Yet here is Zacchaeus, maybe beginning to live up to his name, giving away half his income and paying reparations. Now, there's an interesting linguistic note here. Some scholars translate Zacchaeus' interjection in the future tense, a promise that from here on out he will give away his income and pay reparations. Others, however, argue that the correct translation is in the present tense, which would mean that Zacchaeus, who everyone assumed was a greedy, traitorous miser, all this time has been giving away half of his income and pays reparations to anyone that he has wronged. These two translations do offer slightly different narratives and can lead to different, though not necessarily conflicting, theological conclusions. And so again, I really do invite you this week to read this text both ways and see what each reading provides you. Remember, a sermon is a conversation, so you have a, you have a role to play in this as well. Both readings of this text, however, point to the third way that Zacchaeus embodies that childlike spirit which, with which we ought to seek the kingdom. Trust. In giving away half his income, Zacchaeus is profoundly trusting that his needs will nevertheless be met. In paying fourfold reparations, he trusts that others will come to him if they feel wronged, and that they will be honest with him in their claims. Zacchaeus puts his trust in goodness, hospitality, and good faith. He puts his trust in the kingdom. Some may call it naive or childlike, but in Jesus' case, childlike isn't exactly the worst thing to be. As Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so, as they grumbled, turning to the crowds that were complaining about his choice of dinner host, Jesus declares, today salvation has come to this house. Amen.